Hello, y'all. Welcome to Everyday Illumination, a podcast about awakening and conscious conversations. I'm Amy Leiter, and this is my co-host, Matthew Stafford. Hey, everybody. Hey, Amy. Um, Before we jump into this podcast, I do have something that I'd like to share because I, I really think that it speaks to the essence of this podcast, at least in my mind. Um, so last night I couldn't sleep and I tried everything that I typically do when I can't sleep, which is, you know, binaural beats, meditation, breath work, all of these types of things. And and nothing was working. It was going on almost four hours. And so I decided to turn the light on and read for a little bit. And I reached over to my bedside table and the book that happened to be there was Ram Dass's Be Here Now. And I read that for a little bit. And then I don't know if you've seen this at the at the back of it, there's another text and that text is called Cookbook for a Sacred Life. And I started reading that for a little while. And the first few sentences of the introduction just really struck me. And I actually kept going back and, and reading them over and over again. And, you know, this quote that I'm about to read you from this text, it spoke to me because all I could think about was this podcast. And, you know, what I'm about to read you, it really struck me as, you know, kind of what the essence of what this podcast is, what the purpose of it is, um, and kind of what we're trying to create. Um, At least in my mind, that's how it spoke to me. So I do want to share it with you and get your thoughts. Um, So the first few sentences um, of the introduction for Cookbook for a Sacred Life, Ram Dass states, we are all on the journey towards enlightenment and at each stage must share what has been discovered with those who will listen. The sharing is part of the work. The listening is part of the work. We are all on the path. And I absolutely love that. And like I said, it just resonated with me and I had to share it because I I felt that it spoke to the essence of this podcast. How do you feel about that, Amy? Does that resonate with you at all? Yeah, absolutely. I think the thing that resonates the most is it feels like it really speaks to like the idea behind what we want to share. And that being that I think a lot of people think that spirituality is just this like higher purpose and they think about enlightenment. And I think this time that we're in with conscious shifts is really about exactly what you said. And like the funny part is I've been saying this a lot, be here now. So be here now is like the present moment has everything for us already. The present moment, if we can stay in the present moment, then our daily life becomes um, like a living prayer, right? And we're in this space where we are able to get everything we need from inside of us or life will show us what we need, right? So it's very likely that you couldn't sleep because this had to come through for you. You had to receive this. And I've been finding that, you know, transmission, spirituality, our higher self is so much more accessible in our everyday life now. And now we can actually learn through curiosity and growth and the nudging of our soul and higher self. So to me, that's exactly what happened for you last night. And really, that's what this podcast is about talking to people about their awakening journeys and then where they are now and what that looks like and really kind of demystifying, you know, awakening and ascension. It's just like, let's create this new earth. It's created through us. Yeah, definitely. 
And I think that's, you know, kind of where we're, we're starting with this podcast, right? You know, the first two episodes, this one that everyone's about to listen to is kind of a, about me and my awakening journey, which you've been able to see. And, you know, as my therapeutic guide, you've been able to help me and guide me through this. So you ask me a lot of questions and we go through my awakening journey. And then uh, on the second podcast, we'll go through yours so that listeners can get to know you a little bit better, which is really exciting. And from there, we're going to have plenty of guests, people from different practices, people bringing in different techniques, um, things that they do and that they've learned on their journey in awakening, which is, you know, a never ending journey in and of itself. Um, But we're, you know, hope to use that so that you all can listen. And then maybe you all can also hop on at some point and share, uh, which would be lovely as well. So um, I think without further ado, we're going to listen to my portion, uh, episode one, kind of my awakening journey. Um, I will tell you when I was mixing it and editing it, uh, the ego definitely got in the way. And I was, you know, felt like I was being too preachy at times and saying like too many times. But um, I'm letting all of that wash away and uh, looking forward to uh, everybody listening and moving forward. Absolutely. I'm so excited to share. And thank you all for being here. And um, we hope you enjoy. So what was the one thing that like came up for you that was like your point where you're like, I need to find support because I need, I need this to change. Yeah. I wish I could, could pinpoint one exact thing and I'll do my best to get there, but it was kind of the perfect storm of everything. Right. Um, I had so much going on in my life as we all do. And I was overwhelmed. Um, I was in, you know, fight and flight mode all the time. And that had become so normal. I felt like that was normal. I was operating at such such a high frequency and not in a good way, high frequency, but at a level that, you know, I wasn't allowing my my body and myself to come down and to reflect. And I wasn't giving to myself, I was giving to so many other things. And, you know, with work, with family, and you know, with relationships, Um, again, I think the best word is overwhelmed, but, you know, when I was in that relationship, my partner and I were, were having issues and decided to work on them. So we went to couples counseling a few times and in that it became fairly apparent things weren't going to work out. Um, I think we both knew that at the time, but we kept trying, um, still tried for a while, even after I met you, but, you know, during that. I realized I still had a lot more work to do on myself. And I had done therapy in the past, um, you know, kind of clinical therapy, um, almost kind of a a white lab coat, you know, glove approach um, seemed very sterile. And while I had, you know, success and good experiences in the past with that, um, I felt like there was something more that I needed. And I was kind of shopping around. I was looking, you know, for guidance. I was looking for Um, you know, a therapist, I tried quite a few therapists, actually, um, before, you know, not exactly sure how it happened. But I, I, I ran in into you. And, you know, you talked about how you do therapeutic guidance, and you look at human design, and you kind of help guide what's happening in someone's life and individuals like my life at the time, and through so much work beyond that, but what's happening in in that and what is the lesson? What are you being taught? And what are you here to do? And I think that I really needed that. So as I was 
going around and I was looking for, you know, um, therapists and such, I had this feeling that there was something more. Um, I didn't just want to go sit down and talk to somebody and have them, you know, put me inside a box, just check off, you know, yep, he fits in here, he fits in there, those types of things. Um, I wanted to see where I fit in with myself. And I really needed to come back to myself. Um, I was so far out. Like I said, I was doing so many things that weren't for me. And they were for so many other other people. And I think that, you know, I got to a point and I think that 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 couples therapy really helped me get to that point. Because as you're sitting there talking with a partner and someone who knows you well, and then a third party, you you do start seeing and hearing ways in which you're not showing up in maybe the way that you think you're showing up. And that happened a couple of times. And I really had to do some self-reflection. And when I did that, I really realized that I wanted to show up um, in that relationship better, um, you know, but in every relationship. And, you know, the more I thought about it, I had to show up for myself first. And I hadn't done that in so long. I had neglected myself and told myself all of these stories. And as it turns out, you know, I didn't have the relationship with myself that I thought I had. So I think it was just kind of this perfect storm of everything with my career and with family issues and traumas. And, you know, then being in this relationship and trying so hard to make it work. And I was doing everything I could and it wasn't working. And at that point, it was just kind of something has to change. And I it has to start with me. And I really need to dive deep with myself and see what that means. Um, and then, like I said, you know, I found you. And when you and I met the first time and you talked to me about your approach, it it really opened my eyes and it felt very natural. It felt like what I was looking for, for myself. Absolutely. Well, and I think that that's one of the big things about this conscious shift that's happening, that awakening is happening is that, yeah, like we're all pretty much going through it. A lot of us are going through it, but I think the one common factor that, that I noticed, it's like, I became the person I couldn't find as a practitioner. And the one thing in common that I've noticed with myself and most of my clients or my community is that a lot of us are isolated for, from our families because our families aren't as conscious or emotionally intelligent in a way or going through the shift um, to understand what, what we're going through. And so it becomes really isolating. And then when you add on top of a lot of what happens during awakening is certain friendships, you know, maybe you're put on pause or fall away. We might be changing jobs. Um, you know, we were in the middle of a pandemic that lasted almost three years or more. And so there was so much isolation that you could really get stuck in your head. And the common other common denominator is um, most people have anxiety that work with me. And so then you're in this loop of anxiety, trying to figure out what's going on and living with, you know, the wounds that you have from childhood or different traumas. And also, um, you know, I think the other big thing is, is 
in some places, like therapy is still taboo, you know, therapeutic guidance is still taboo. So there's this, this other sense of isolation that I can't actually talk about not being well, like I'm not doing good. And it's like, you know, most people aren't having a complete mental breakdown where, where you need to, to be like inpatient somewhere or you need like medication necessarily, but it feels like you're getting a whole life overhaul and the support system sort of begins to shrink based on what experiences you might be having. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, I think what you're saying with, with isolation and that feeling of, you know, therapeutic guidance being taboo, I think, you know, with awakening, um, from the outside, a lot of people tend to think that maybe it's this woo woo, um, thing. And, you know, it, it really isn't. It's really this relationship with yourself and understanding who you are, what your purpose is, and realizing that, you know, you're a creator and you create in this universe, um, you know, kind of you live in the reality you create. It's, you know, interesting to, to think about that because, you know, I'd been diagnosed with anxiety years and years ago. Um, you know, struggled with it and such. And, you know, through my work with with you, even, um, it really helped me see that a lot of the anxiety that, you know, I was, I was taking on and a lot of the anxiety that that I thought I had was was self inflicted, um, you know, which was very interesting, because, you know, uh, there was a time when we when we first started working together, where, you know, I still think about it to this day, um, I kept saying, I have to, and I need to do this. And, you know, I have to do that. And, you know, you stopped me very quickly and very early on and said, Hey, you know, we got to get these two words out of your vocabulary. You know, you don't have to do anything that you don't want to do. Um, you don't need to do anything. So instead of I have to, and I need to, you should be saying I choose to, and I want to. And there's I mean, there's a whole sense of power um, within saying I choose to do something and I want to do something as opposed to I have to and I need to. And, you know, I had with my anxiety, like I said, a lot of it, you know, realizing now was so self-inflicted because I was telling myself I had to do this for this person or I needed to do this, um, you know, for my family in a certain way because I felt they wanted me to show up in that way. And it, it just wasn't the truth. It was the story that I was telling myself. And that story I was telling myself, sure, there are things in my past and experiences I had and traumas and such that, that helped shape that. But when you're telling yourself this story for so long, um, it's easy then to kind of project those anxieties that you have out to the rest of the world um, and kind of make the rest of the world you know, uh, the bad guy or, or girl or, or thing. Right. And, you know, that's, that's merely not the case a lot, a lot of the times. Um, I don't want to say all of the time, but, you know, I, I firmly believe, especially in my case, I can say, um, I obviously won't speak for anyone else, but, you know, the things I was telling myself and the way I was phrasing things, um, was not helping. And that was really, really causing a lot of that anxiety. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and I think, you know, it's words have power, 
even even I was reminded of a TikTok video um, that I just made with a sound that basically is talking about deadlines. Like, it's okay if you miss a deadline. It's okay if like you need more time because actually no one is going to die. Like, and I used to say this a lot when um, I worked with people in a nonprofit that um, I founded is like, we're not curing cancer. You know, like we're not in the ER. Yes, sometimes things with our clients, things with different roles that we hold, like have a time sensitive, you know, feel to it. And things, you know, some things need to be done at a certain time. But it's like, let's try to like slow down and like come into our bodies, remember the why, like the purpose that we're here for. So we literally like, can do what needs to be done and not be in fight or flight. Because I mean, that's one of the things. Fight or flight really takes you out of connection with your intuition. And it's much harder to manifest, to make decisions, you know, everyday decisions, you know, about work, no matter what your role is, when you are operating from a place of stress and emergency, you know, you are only operating, you are channeling your ego. You are only operating out of your mind and your ego. And usually that's devoid of being able to sense our environment as well. So it's like we're going through our everyday life. Like there's a tiger chasing us down the street and our body doesn't know the difference. And so, you know, I'm not going to go into the science fully of fight or flight, but like you have different chemicals, you have adrenaline releasing, you have all these things releasing. And it's really hard to be in a logical state in our prefrontal cortex and not in our reptilian brain, or if it's emotional, our limbic system to like actually say like, oh, like I can make this decision from a peaceful place. And I know it's in alignment and integrity with my purpose and what I'm here for. And so it's not like when I work with people, I'm just like, okay, let's figure out your purpose. Why are you here? Because usually, um, and you can speak to this a little bit because I know that you did have a bit of this process, but it's like, how do we wind back to finding the baseline of who we are at our core and what our energy actually does feel like, which is the reason that I use astrology and human design together. So we can kind of see what did, what did your soul come here to learn, but then how does your energy work? And with human design, it's like your type has a strategy. You have an authority to make decisions, but you have to be able to sense yourself to get that information. So it's one of the things most people that come to me are in fight or flight most of their day. And as a result, possibly have been for most of their lives. And what that reminded me of what you were saying about anxiety or depression, that maybe it was both. Most people that present with anxiety first And most people probably in our culture specifically, it's a sense of worthiness. And so what happens is when we have experiences as young children and don't feel worthy or like abuse or trauma happens, and sometimes it's just everyday situations that cause these things. It doesn't have to be a trauma with a capital T that a lot of times when we have that anxiety for decades and over time and over our lives, right, has an impact on our bodies, but also like we go into a depressive state because it becomes hopelessness. Like this isn't changing. There's no way to change this. And then, you know, it's like a pile on, right? Layers and layers and layers of things happen that are telling your ego, 
yes, you need to protect me from this because we're afraid of that thing that happened way back there. You know, we're afraid this is going to happen again. And I don't want to feel embarrassed. I don't want to feel humiliated. I don't want to feel unloved or have effort unreceived. Um, And sometimes like our parents just weren't equipped or our family members or whoever our caregivers were, were doing the best they could as well. And so these things imprinted or we had trapped emotions because we couldn't express them. And so it's just that aspect that like when you have trapped emotions, our ego literally is just trying not to let that situation happen again. And like logically, you know, how many babies like hurt themselves while they were walking or like, you know, like learning how to be mobile. And for some of us that that ended up with like, oh, I'm not cared for. Like, I don't have anyone to catch me. And then the rest of our lives were like playing out the story, like no one's here to support me. And, and it's just recently that I've started to understand and help people walk through even some of those moments um, with different guided meditations. So it's like, absolutely. If you're stuck in that state, you know, we're connected to this much younger part of ourselves that's saying, this is an emergency. I can't have this happen again. But then it's the meaning of what's happening in the world. 100%. That is exactly where I was and and what I had been dealing with. You know, I mentioned it um, a little while ago, but, you know, I'll say it again, is when I first met you and I started working with you, um, and I think you would attest to this, is that I was just at this very high, high frequency um, and, you know, I couldn't actually see what was going on. And, you know, as I said a few minutes ago, it is something that, you know, I had to understand, learn to understand and see for myself, check in with myself, which you helped teach me how to do those things, um, that I was putting all, a lot of that anxiety on myself. And where did that come from? Right. Um, and a lot of it came from, you know, my childhood and what happened you know, in my family. Um, We have four kids in my family. So I have an older brother. I'm the second eldest. And then I have two younger sisters. And my brother has fought addiction and, you know, with drugs and alcohol and such. And, you know, I'm I'm sure that he has, you know, some other things going on um, inside of him. But he's been doing that for for multiple decades. And it's really taken a toll um, on my family and, you know, a, a, the family as a whole, but also us as individuals, um, I believe. And, you know, for myself, it was, and this is what you really helped me, me see and helped me, me learn. And it's a, it's a great perspective for me is, you know, I spent so much of my life trying not to be my brother that I wasn't checking in with who I was and what I wanted to do for myself. Granted, I still did a lot of things that I wanted to do, playing music, touring, you know, getting the degree that I got, these types of things. And I had support from my family, but the way in which I went about doing them um, was was not the healthiest because at a very young age, I saw what my brother was doing and what it was doing to my family and to my parents and these things. And, and without realizing what it was doing to me, I took a lot of that on and said, I don't want to be him. I'm going to go the exact opposite direction. And I'm going to be who I think that everyone else in my family wants 
someone to be my brother, myself, whoever it is, right? I'm going to get straight A's. I'm going to go to college and get Dean's list. I'm going to do all of these things. And I put so much pressure on myself. No one ever told me, Matthew, you have to do those things. Um, you have to, you know, always be at the top of the list and do all of these things 100% right. Um, but I put that pressure on myself because of my brother and because of me not wanting to be like him, right? So I carried that anxiety with me and putting that other side of fear on it that if I don't do the absolute best, then I'm not only going to have failed myself, but I'm going to have failed my family and my friends and, you know, those types of things that telling myself those stories. And they were very real when I was telling myself those stories. But those individuals, my family and my friends weren't telling me those things, you know, I was projecting that out. And I think that that had a lot to do with, you know, relationships, um, you know, within the family and with friends or with partners. And it wasn't allowing me to show up completely. You know, um, I was talking about going to that couples therapy and such and, and what it kind of helped me see. But what you really taught me was what I was starting to see in those sessions. Um, you know, it was happening all around me in my life. And, you know, I was constantly getting stuck in the details because I was thinking everything had to be perfect. I had to be perfect. You know, I was analyzing, overanalyzing everything really, right? And causing this anxiety. And, you know, that's what I really like or loved about working with you is there were times where I would be talking and, you know, explaining these things and you would stop me and you would challenge me and you would say, all right, well, you're kind of getting stuck in the details. What is this teaching you? And for the most part, it was the same lesson over and over again. It was the universe showing up and telling me the same thing, teaching me the exact same lesson. And I wasn't aware enough and present enough to be able to understand and to see what was happening, to see these patterns. And, you know, that's something that you know, when I talked about clinical therapy uh, earlier, again, I believe it has its place and it helps a lot of people. And I think everyone should have someone to talk to and and peep an objective party to to talk with and get observation um, and have that back and forth. And it does wonders. But, you know, I felt that if I kept doing a clinical going and seeing a clinical therapist, I was going to have to keep going back to this one thing over and over and over again. Whereas you really taught me, go back to it to understand it. Understand what the universe is teaching you. Understand who you are and what your purpose is. Learn from it and grow from it. It's not something for me to hold on to and, you know, to kind of keep reliving it over and over again and, and questioning it. Um, you know, it, what well, it's being aware enough of what happened and what that lesson is, I guess is what I'm trying to say. And, you know, from there, it's then being able to take that awareness, um, of yourself and the situation. And then once you, you believe you've been taught that lesson and learned from it, it's then being present in, you know, trying to be present in every aspect of your life in every moment. So that you don't allow that to happen again. Um, and when you're present and aware, you can start seeing some of the triggers or feeling them. I know for me, 
It's when I start feeling anxiety, it's in the center of my chest and it gets really tight and my breathing gets shallow. And, and now it's about, okay, take a step back. This is an interesting feeling, but I'm very anxious right now. So um, I am not anxiety, um, but I, I'm feeling it. So why am I feeling it? Um, it's that presence and being in the moment and, and being aware. And I think that's just so powerful. Yeah, absolutely. That is so powerful. And I think that 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 is probably the common thread through every one of my clients. The basic thing, like when you were talking about, hey, you're a little bit in the details. It's like, hey, can we get you back in your body? Can we get you feeling the sensations in your body? So when we say ground, it's like sort of pulling your energy back in because so often when we get really anxious, right, we're out here trying to like put out a fire and really the fire is inside of us. And so there's this aspect, I think, of growing up in the society that we grew up in, that there's like some mirroring or some of these trapped emotions happen and then we're not shown or, or like even given a choice to be like, how do you feel about this? Cause feelings aren't, aren't honored in our culture, especially in the U S as much, um, where that is how our inner child kind of gets stuck in that space because they're taught, like, I'm trying to think of a, an example. It's like, okay, so you go to school and maybe like you've never like seen math before. You haven't been working with numbers or your parents haven't been working to read and another, you know, kid in your class can do those things. And all of a sudden you make this determination about yourself, maybe like not being smart or something. Right. And so then for the rest of the 12 years that you're in like elementary school, middle school, high school, you're like, I'm not smart. I'm not a good student. And it started way back there, just as an example, started way back there. But like, you're living out your life that way. And so when we think we're not enough, there's no way that we're going inside of ourselves for the answers. There's no way that we're like, thinking that we're powerful. And some of that's by design, like conditioning in our culture to keep us spending money and trying to improve ourselves. But the other piece is that if we're not in our bodies, we're literally not in our lives, you know, and we're not making decisions that honor like what we're here for. So that's why so often when I'm first meeting people, we're literally just getting you out of crisis. We're getting you to a place where you can recognize that you're having sensations in your body, that your body is actually sending you messages, that anxiety is a message from your body. And it's so interesting, like you were describing the point when people start to reach like, oh my gosh, like I can communicate with my body. Then it's like the body isn't our enemy. Our emotions aren't our enemy. The anxiety isn't our enemy. It's actually information. And as we ease into that, we get to be in a place where we're actually working as a team with all of the aspects of self, you know, higher self, soul. Um, inner child or teen. And then, you know, like what I call just kind of like our adult self can start showing up to guide these parts back to us to be like, I hear you. I see you. Okay. I'm going to respond and like, go drink a glass of water and take a couple breaths and feel my feet on the floor. So I can actually be here in my life in the present moment. Cause that's where we 
make our future from. You know, we make our future from decisions that we make when we're connected to ourselves. Well, we make a lot of decisions when we're not connected to ourselves that affect our future. But that's how you begin the idea of manifestation is like you have to be able to feel what's happening in your body first, clear some of the triggers or use the triggers to understand what is needed, you know, whether it's breath, whether it's grounding, I use the elements a lot, but like really understanding, Hey, like I actually have some control over what happens in my everyday life. And once we start controlling what's happening in everyday life, like, Oh, I'm getting sleep. I'm hydrated. I'm eating. I am managing stress. I'm setting boundaries to say no to things when I feel overwhelmed or even admitting that we're overwhelmed, then you can start manifesting bigger things in your life. But it's like from anxiety and panic, we're manifesting a sense of lack, a lack of time, a lack of wellness, a lack of, honestly, like for a lot of us, protection. Like we feel very vulnerable because we're so stressed out. And so on your path, you know, like what I got to witness is like, you actually returning to yourself and layer by layer and relationship by relationship, you were sort of saying like, how is this serving? me? How do these activities serve me? And as you cleared more and more out of the way, you started to be able to sense your higher self. Like we didn't come to this being like, oh, you're awakening. Let me help you. You know, yeah. we came to this more from a space of like, all right, let's like put out some fires and let you find yourself again. And then like once you had started to master some of the just keeping yourself in the present moment, like every day, like mindfulness techniques, then you started getting like higher level messages and you could feel intuitive hits and you could really start to step into that creator space or that manifestation space that you spoke about earlier, where um, you're like, oh, this, this can be fun. And then, and then like, part of that is like, oh, wait, like life can be fun. Oh, wait, I can take a vacation. I can make requests. I can have needs and I can advocate for them. And then all of a sudden, you know, you're living the life that you want, not at the mercy of events in the world, you know, emergencies at work, you know, a partner, a partner's needs, you know, different friends, you can start creating the life you want. Yeah, definitely. And I, I like what you just said there, you know, advocating for yourself, right? Um, which was not what I was doing for so much of my life. I wasn't advocating for myself. Um, I may have told myself I was, but uh, the reality of it is, is that I wasn't, you know, I was in this constant fight and flight mode. And, you know, I was, I was always looking at an external factor. I was always looking at what's next or what will this do and wasn't allowing myself to be present and wasn't allowing myself to be in the moment, you know, um, and kind of like you were saying, and, and like I said, a few minutes ago, being able to be present enough to to catch these things and get these downloads. And it's really, you know, creating space for yourself, for that higher intuition, for your higher self, creating space in this 3D reality so that your higher self can can be in tune with you in this reality. I think previously to that, you know, um, because I was in that fight and flight mode, I was reacting all of the time, right? And 
um, wasn't showing up. I wasn't taking taking the moment, taking the breath, um, really grounding myself and and being present enough and aware enough to understand what was happening. And, you know, again, I think I was, you know, projecting that out. I was putting it on external factors. And then I was not showing up uh, in relationships, um, you know, friendships, um, you know, at work in in other places the way that I should have been, right? Because I was putting all of these things on on other people or meetings or tasks or or these things and and wasn't really able to to sit and deal with it. And um, you know, I was it, it's like I was making excuses, right? I was making excuses um for everything that was happening and then putting that pressure from that childhood trauma on myself saying I can fix it, I can power through this if I just keep working harder, 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 uh, you know, do this, do this, do this, get less sleep, um, you know, take care of myself less. Um, it will eventually make the the situation or the experience better for myself and for others. Right. Um, and, and that's just not the case. Right. Um, because I'm not advocating for myself, um, at that point in that moment, I'm not present enough and aware enough of what's happening. I'm, thinking so much about the external and, you know, the past and the future that I'm not sitting in the present and and showing up as my authentic, pure self, right? And I think, you know, there's some milestones along, you know, my my awakening journey um, that I have. And and one of them, you know, a lot of them, actually, I, I learned from from my dog, Bella. And, you know, there was one moment I remember I was I was driving and I think I was driving over to my sister's house and um, Bella was in the back seat in the hammock and I had the windows down. And as I was driving, I just I caught I caught her image in the rearview mirror and her head was just out the window and she had her eyes kind of half open and was just was just drinking it in. It was the look on her face and it was just pure bliss. She was pure and present in that moment. She didn't care that I was driving a car. She didn't care that that car was a Subaru. She didn't care that we were in Colorado. She, you know, all of these things, she was just in the moment of having her head out that window and experiencing the wind in her face, the sun in her face, all of the smells that are coming through, um, all the sounds she's hearing, you know, she was just enjoying life and she was so blissed out and in pure bliss. And that just, it really hit me right when I saw that. And I thought, you know, she's onto something. That's it. How do I do that? How do I get there? And I mean, she was just being present, right? Um, and it's not to say dogs don't have instincts and, and their own fight and flight um, and freeze and such, but you know, uh, I think a lot of the time they they are in that in that moment, right? And I started seeing it even more walking down the street with her and realizing that, you know, us as humans, we we kind of cut ourselves off from from interaction and such. At least, you know, that's what I was noticing at the time. You walk by a lot of people nowadays don't even look you in the eye or smile or nod, let alone say hello, right? Um, but if I'm walking Bella, People were always looking at her. A smile would come across their face. They would reach down, say, hi, you know, hi, puppy, that sort of thing. And they would engage, right? And, you know, that lesson of her being in the car and that 
pure moment of bliss of her being in that moment and then seeing how that translated into interactions with other people, um, whether it was, you know, on the side of the street and how they would interact and or, you know, even in the car, people would pull up next to us and I could see these people in the car looking at her and waving and saying hello and these types of things. And it was it was kind of this aha awakening moment that I just sort of realized that a lot of us as humans and and definitely me then um, were so guarded, right? We were so guarded and I was so guarded because of all of these external factors and, and worrying about, you know, what people would think and, and how they would interact, um, you know, would they judge these types of things. And I, and I wasn't being as open as I could be. And that's what I was learning from Bella watching her as I was going through this. She was a constant reminder to me that to be in the moment and to be open and, you know, animals, they all have, like I said, their own fight and flight. And, you know, typically they, they're pretty good judge of humans and energy. Right. Um, and I think that we have that too, but we've just really guarded ourselves so much that, you know, we've, we've siloed ourselves, um, in a lot of cases that, that, so that we don't interact, we aren't open. Right. And so what I learned was being present, being aware, being in those moments. And, and, you know, maybe we treat each other as if we're seeing other dogs or something like that. We get excited. We're, we're open to it. That doesn't mean that, you know, every interaction, um, or every person you come across is, is going to be amazing and that your energies are going to interact the right way. Um, but what it does mean is that you're open and you're allowing that possibility. And when you're open and you allow that possibility, I firmly believe that you can feel and sense and, and see things in a way that um, you see that the universe is providing. And it's your opportunity to then choose what's happening in that moment to help create, to help manifest what's happening um, in that moment with what the universe has provided. And then you're choosing what are you putting into that moment? What are you putting into the universe, back into the universe in that moment um, to continue this growth? And it's, yeah, it's like being a dog and, and approaching every person or situation with presence and being open and then seeing what happens in that moment um, because you can choose to engage in different ways depending on what happens. But if you go into it, already thinking something, having this expectation or coming into it with an attitude or a mood, um, you know, or something like that, you're, you're bringing in an energy that isn't part of that moment. You're holding on to a relic of the past and telling yourself a story as opposed to being open and allowing that connection. Like I said, when I saw them, people, you know, saying hi to her and waving in the car or on the road and those types of things, you know, it's, she's a she's open and allowing for that connection to happen right um and and humans are much more receptive to her because of that right but if i'm walking down the street with a scowl on my face um they're not necessarily maybe going to want to talk to me let alone look me in the eye or you know nod their head um just as a hello so it's it's coming back to that constant reminder right it's like meditation when your mind wanders coming back to the breath coming back to the present moment and 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 being in it as your pure authentic self and being open uh to what is actually happening without telling myself these stories 
um, or putting expectations on uh, the future uh, or other people or, or things or places or events, you know, um, I'm so grateful that that I was able to be taught that lesson and that I allowed myself to be taught that lesson um, because it's it's very powerful and it's um, allowed me to to show up as my authentic self and and be myself because I'm I'm aware and I'm advocating for myself in the moments and by being present I'm advocating for myself and it's um, it, it's it's an amazing amazing feeling absolutely and I mean it's been you know, such an honor to like, it's such an honor to hold space for those that I work with. And it's, it's, it literally aligns with what, what I'm here for. I'm literally here to kind of go into the shadows and go to the depths with people to, to like examine what's going on and shed light on that space and help you to, to, it's really illuminating, you know, where, where are the challenges? Where are the lessons? Let's look at it. Let's slow down. And it almost always, once you sort of learn them, like yours, for example, one of the frames that we use as the Chiron point in astrology is, is in Gemini. And so literally you're here to look at different perspectives. So it's like, you could see throughout your story and throughout your, your process or path that you were walking uniquely, how you were being shown so many um, different sides of yourself and ways to look at things. And as you were able to slow down, you could actually witness and contemplate all of that. And, you know, your North Node is also in Gemini. It's just interesting because I don't use whole houses, but your North Node is in the 12th house. And your rising is in Gemini in the first house. And they're literally Chiron and North Node are right next to each other. So it's sort of like when you look at the astrology wheel, there's 12 sections. You're starting with the wound and your ascendant and Gemini and you're walking around the whole wheel and hit your North Node, like your purpose of what you're walking into. And I think that that, you know, everyone's story and their wheel is unique to them. But those are the couple points that were so important to, to see you walking through. And, it, and at the beginning of working with someone, I'm usually not overly focused on that. Um, it's something that's come to me to use over time through my higher self, through different engagements. But what became really obvious to me is also when I use the Pluto point, which most of my clients are Pluto and Scorpio which are kind of here as expanders. Most of, most of you are quitting your jobs right now um, because it's, you're really here to show us that we're more important than our jobs, that we are here to play a role in the collective, but it doesn't have to be a job title, that it's actually your unique energy and bringing it to those in your world, like those in the collective. I mean, could even be someone at the grocery store, right? Um, so there's just a really unique aspect to that, um, that Pluto and Scorpio is here to expand. And most, most of Pluto and Scorpio is the millennial generation. So you caught a lot of heat, you know, when you came of age, because it's like, we want to do things differently. And there was a lot of negativity around, you know, being lazy about, around having to work harder. Like, why aren't you showing up to do 
do things traditionally the way they've been done. And really, you're one of the expanding generations that are here to show us that we're not our job and that we need to value ourselves, that whatever body we're in is as it should be. And I remember witnessing that when I lived in an apartment in Denver, um, just different ages of people like around the pool or interacting. And there is this like sense of confidence that existed. Still, there was trauma and wounds, but like so much more of like, yeah, therapy isn't shameful or asking for support isn't shameful. Yeah, I have needs at my job. And that was one of the big themes that you worked with is being seen because you're a Leo son, your Venus is in Leo, but like also, you know, learning that like once you knew that you are worthy, that you could shift and change. So one of the questions I wanted to ask you is what is some of the feedback you've gotten from people in the workplace or in your life as you kind of perform this generational mission aside your personal sort of path? So there are a couple of times that I can, I can remember having interactions and, you know, getting some feedback from people. Um, as I was going through and, and kind of understanding my own worth and as I was understanding that my worth was not dependent on external factors such as a job title or a relationship, um, none of those things were making me worthy. I was the only thing that was going to make me worthy and it you know, was my, my relationship with myself and my understanding um, of, of reality and, and, and what's actually happening. So it's kind of funny because the feedback I got, um, there were one or two times, like I was saying that I can remember very clearly where, you know, I'm interacting with an individual and at work or, you know, friend, a colleague, and they say, so what's going on with you? And it wasn't what's going on with you in a bad way. Like, Hey, are you all right? Is everything okay? It was an inquisitive what's going on with you. Um, you seem different. And I heard that a couple of times, you seem different. And it wasn't you seem different in a bad way, either. It was you seem different in a good way. And I kind of want to know what's going on. And I'm a very open person, um, especially as I've, I've, you know, uh, been going through my journey and, and awakening and such. I'm, I'm very open about, you know, um, having sessions with you and you being my therapeutic guide, and, you know, um, talking about mental health and talking about um, awakening and presence and, and what I'm doing. And, you know, the more I've talked about it, the more I see that other people are, are going through that as well. And everyone's journey is different, right? But, you know, when I then start talking about it, when people would ask what's going on with me or say, you know, you seem different, but in a good way, you seem happy, you seem confident. It's like a natural, calm confidence. Um, when I started talking about it, they were then talking about their journey and their path. Um, or maybe they were just starting their path and they were talking about, you know, kind of things that they were thinking and, um, or if they were on their path, things that they had thought where they are now kind of, um, you know, practices that they have those sorts of things. And so, you know, I did get the feedback from individuals, but I think it's also important to note that I did get this feedback, you know, from, from the universe again, within those conversations, it was like a confirmation um, that, you know, the path that I'm on is the correct path. And it is being true to myself. And, 
you know, me being worthy and showing up as my authentic self and having these conversations and being open created an area in my life where I was allowing other people to communicate what they were going through to me, right? And, you know, everyone's path is different, but we can relate to one another and have those conversations. And I think, you know, that's kind of one of the best feedbacks is being able to have conversations with friends or family members or coworkers about these things and and really realize that so many other people are are searching for themselves they're searching for something else and you know being able to kind of create and have a, a community or be part of this collective where you can talk about it right um you know there's there's a couple of people in my life i think you know in, in the way that you know especially males in, in at least the society that we live in are raised, it's to not talk about feelings and, you know, suppress things. And, um, you know, and then when you lash out and there's anger and such, you know, it's to be expected because you were pushing all these things down. But it, it's really allowed myself and a couple of people close to me to create an even stronger bond because, you know, which again is great feedback because now I'm getting feedback from them and again, the universe in that I now have a deeper connection with some of these people. And, you know, we're able to have these deep conversations um, about things that you don't generally hear males talk about, at least in my experience, right? But I'm experiencing it now. So obviously we're having those conversations, people are, but I think that, you know, we're allowing and creating and holding space for each other to have those conversations. Um, and I don't want to say it's, you know, just strictly males because I had feedback and I've had conversations and interactions um, with with females as well in this. But, you know, I think that being able to have people open up to me and feel comfortable to have those conversations, ask questions, and for me to do the same, right? For me to ask them questions, to to hear their perspective, um, that's a really, uh, intimate and, you know, powerful way to engage with someone and being able to hold that space is, is extremely, extremely powerful and great feedback because it means that there is a connection. It, it tells me that I'm in a vibration and I'm in a spectrum that is where I want to be. It feels more natural. Um, it feels more authentic. Uh, to be able to talk about your experiences, what you're feeling, um, those types of things. So I did get I did get good feedback. It was funny that I did get, you know, those people saying, what happened to you? What's going on with you? Um, but but in a good way. So, yeah, there were definitely a couple of moments. Um, but again, I think, you know, those even those moments led to deeper conversations and allowed me to open up, which allowed, you know, um, space to be held for for them to open up and and for us to, you know, relate to one another and, you know, realize that um, that we're all, you know, part of creation and and part of expansion. And and that's what's happening. And so I think it, it's all good feedback, um, but I like to look at it at, on those different levels. Right. Um, the individual feedback I've gotten from from humans and, you know, then that feedback um, that I'm receiving from the universe um, from also being in alignment. Yeah, no, that's amazing. And I, and I, you know, I think one of the things that struck me so much to like watch your journey 
is that, um, you know, I do have several male clients, but, you know, primarily, like you were saying, I do have a majority of female clients. Um, and I think, you know, there is an energy around awakening or this conscious shift that the world is experiencing that a lot more energy might have gone into the feminine because in our culture, even the cultures of the world, like what it means to be masculine was so um, defined in such a specific way that I think even more so than with a lot of women, that the energy is very um, repressed. It's like, be strong, like don't share your emotions, you know, don't show weakness, but that's also how like the capitalist structure is, right? So it's, it's across all genders, all expressions, But once we start realizing that, oh, actually within me, that gender is a spectrum, you know, outside of us is what we're starting to hold. And I think Gen Z and other generations that are coming of age are are showing us that more. But I think specifically in the generations that are Pluto and Scorpio and Pluto and Sagittarius, it's to say like who I am is perfect. And each one of us has a masculine energetic aspect and a feminine energetic aspect, and it can be expressed in lots of different ways and in different balances, right? You know, my balance of that is going to be completely different of yours, but it really is rediscovering or letting suppressed sides of our energy, you know, come up. And that is involved in our inner child and our soul sort of being more connected to our everyday experiences Um, And a lot of being in the present moment is not being afraid or ashamed or feeling guilty of how your expression is showing up, which has been hard. Like a lot of awakening really is sort of unapologetically taking, you know, who you are at your core and what your purpose is and realizing that many of our early experiences up until this point have helped us understand Um, if we heal this, if we reintegrate these parts, it is going to help us to help other people. And so I know kind of what I said is a lot, but it's sort of like, we are all energetic beings, you know, we're in this, like a lot of people call it like a meat suit or like physical matter, but like, we aren't even our physicality. Like we're so much more than that. And I've had different plant medicine experiences. I've had different meditative and breathwork experiences where I've gotten to see myself multidimensionally. I've gotten to see myself outside of this physical form that I am. And even understanding that the state of my physical form is, um, it's manifested through how I work with my energy. So illness, um, you know, gaining weight, losing weight, um, tripping over a rock, all of these things are manifestations of how we think, how we feel, how we use our words, you know, um, how we treat others, even from the idea of financial abundance. It's like, if I'm holding on too tightly to my money and I'm not spreading it around, like now I live in Costa Rica and it's really important for me to like honor every single person I interact with. And sometimes I'll buy fruit and be like, keep the change. Or I, instead of cooking dinner, I will go to the feria, the farmer's market and buy several servings of something and reheat it because they're 
are women there and people and men there that it is their passion to cook. So it's also once we learn to honor ourselves and our energy and what we're here for, then I can go out and honor others. And it doesn't have to stay in this competitive, you know, societal, like learn how to do everything yourself, be independent, like don't need anybody. That's actually the opposite of what we're actually here for. And this awakening process, I think, is really to bring us back to our heart spaces and acceptance of ourselves, but being able to accept everyone outside of us as part of us. Like it is realizing that we are one, that we are unity. And the more that we sort of put down political affiliation, you know, like competing with a coworker at our job, um, needing to be right in our family, um, needing to like have as much money as we possibly can or whatever all the things are, all the belongings. It's like once we stop accumulating and competing and being separate and we start to see that we are one, that what I do to myself or I do to others you know, has an impact on my environment, on the people around me, um, then we can start stepping into a space where we are creating a new earth. We are creating a new space to be in and everything doesn't have to be how it's been. Like we can start creating a new way of working together, a new way of doing business, a new way of being a partner and a new way of interacting with anyone that we meet, including ourselves. So I know that that was like a long, clearly I was just channeling, but no, I love it. It's a long thing, but like, it's sort of this idea that vulnerability isn't bad, that loving ourselves isn't bad, that advocating for ourselves isn't selfish. And, and it's sort of flipping the script, right? I always picture like a bag being flipped inside out. It's like we're learning that if we put ourselves first and we stay connected to our intuition, that we can impact so many people in a positive way because we're good. And I think that's what I do with clients. Like literally in my community, like in Soul Space, that's a community that we we have monthly meetings. Um, it's like that is what I'm creating that space for for you to like put yourself first, for you to learn to advocate for your needs. If spiritual gifts are coming online, it's like kind of coming out of the spiritual closet and being like, oh, I get to try this on here in a safe community. And I think one-on-one, my intention is to create that same thing, that all of you is welcome. I'm going to meet you where you are. And let's see like how we can make your life better, how you can be more present. and then you know, figure out what you're here for. Yeah, no, I love that. And there's so many things that you just said that got me going in in so many different ways. I think it's, you know, I think it's this whole idea of you live in the community you create, right? And what you said at the beginning, when, when you first spoke about the masculine and how the world has sort of defined the role of the masculine and, and males and, you know, males can't show weakness and, all of the and emotion and all of these things, you know, what I've learned is that weakness is is actually also a form of strength, right? It means showing up for yourself. Um, it means you're strong, you're understanding. Um, that should be allowed. And being selfish, and and when I say being selfish, I don't mean selfish 
in a sense of continually taking from others or taking more possessions or food or energy than you need. Um, but being selfish for yourself to take care of yourself allows you to then be selfless in your interactions with others. Um, there's always another way to look at it. And if you're doing it with pure positive intention and for the right reason, which in this case is for yourself, then that shows up in your relationships or, or business or the community. And that work and what you do for yourself shows up around you, right? So again, you, you live in the space that you create. Um, you know, we've all heard stories of, of all these people who've worked to or maybe inherited, who knows, they just have all of these riches and they have all these possessions and they think all of these things will make them happy, right? This is the story that we've been told so many times. It's the story we've seen so many times, right? People look up to celebrities and, and fame and, and these types of things, but behind closed doors, these people are struggling. They're sad. It's not necessarily what they thought it was going to be. And it's not necessarily making them happy, right? And, you know, it, at, in a much, you know, different, but but also in a similar way, it's like, you know, when I tell myself I want to do something and I have this idea in my mind and then I start saying, well, I got to have this over here to do it. I got to have this in place and do this first and do that next. And eventually, once I do all of these things, it's going to be perfect. And then the moment will be right for me to get this done, right? This thing that I that I want to do, the thing that I that I need to do. And, you know, at the end of the day, if I want to do it, why don't I just do it, right? Why have I set up all of these other conditions and tasks and whatever else I've told myself is important for me to get started doing this other thing that I that I keep telling myself I want to do and that I need to do, you know, these other things that I'm I'm telling myself I need to do beforehand, they're not going to help me um, do it any better or do it any worse. In fact, they're actually showing me, they're actually telling me that that whatever I'm saying I want to do, I must really not want to do, or it must not be that important because, you know, I'm allowing those things to take precedent. And, you know, I think when you step back and look at that, it's, you know, that that idea and, and, and concept of duality and the two sides of the same coin, right? And And unity. So I have this one thing that I want to do, right? And so there's two sides to that. There's doing it and there's not doing it. And if I'm going to do it, why don't I just be present and aware and do it? Uh, the opposite side of that is saying that I have to do all of these other things and waiting for this perfect moment that is actually never going to happen. So, you know, um, all of that stems out of one thing, but you need to look at it from two sides. And, you know, I think you can apply that and see that in, in everything and in, in our lives and you know, in our world and in our universe, that's kind of how um, we see and understand things, especially in, you know, this dimension. That's amazing. So I wanted to ask you what, um, because I know that you mentioned that, and obviously I know this too, um, that you just finished working at a job and um, what's something you're excited about? What's a passion project or something that's coming up that you're actually doing or what, what are your next steps? What does that look like for you? Well, one would be this podcast. I'm actually very excited about this. Um, and going to be putting a lot of time and energy into that. And then I wish I had a better answer, but you know, kind of just kind of just being right. And, and taking the time to 
explore, you know, old hobbies that um, I used to do that I fell out of touch with music, things like that. Um, you know, and then also just being open to whatever, whatever comes my way. And I think that being present and and being in the moment and kind of just observing and being able to receive, and then being able to, to kind of pick and choose what feels right. Um, it's kind of like, you know, being on a on a tuner in a radio, you know, we you're, I'm going to kind of move back and forth until I find a frequency that feels right, and then explore that for a little while and and see what happens. So um, yeah, I'm excited because I've put so much time and energy into so many things, um, work wise and such. And you know, not that any of that was bad, because it, it was all good, good stuff, you know, but I think that, you know, like I've talked about earlier on this podcast, I, I was overwhelmed and kind of lost my way a little bit. Um, not really lost my way, actually, it's like lost that sense of self, like we've been talking about. And I think I just need to to take the time and the space and and see what comes my way and see what feels right. And, you know, when things do show up, um, I can in, in choose to engage or not engage um, for the most part. And I'm looking forward to that. So again, I wish I had a better answer um, other other than that. But I think that's that that answer sits right with me. And it feels really good to be able to say that. So that's super exciting. And again, this this podcast is very exciting. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm very excited about this too. It's it's something that um, it's just a way to give back and explore and have fun. And um, yeah, that sounds great. And um, so how does it feel when people ask you about what your next steps are? And and you sort of have to advocate for the fact that you're taking time for yourself. Have people had strong reactions or what's that been like for you? Yeah, people have had had strong reactions. I mean, they've been been positive, actually. Um, you know, when I was leaving the position I was in, there was a time when I, you know, had to go around um, with my boss and, you know, have have these 15 minute phone calls with all these people from the company that I interacted with and, and worked with very closely and, and let them know. And, you know, everyone took it really well. My, my family took it well. Everyone was supportive. But, you know, there were a couple of times on, on one or two of these calls where, you know, people asked, what are, what are you doing next? What's next? And the answer I had was whatever I want to do. And I think that was kind of jarring, right? Um, because I think, especially in today's society, um, you know, not having an exact plan of, you know, taking a week off and then, you know, jumping right into the next job or something like that um, is scary. And agreed, it's scary for me too, but it's also freeing and it's also liberating because, you know, what I've found through my own personal journey and, and my own awakening and, you know, coming into alignment with my higher self is, is really that same lesson. I wasn't doing things for myself. And I think now the biggest thing is that I'm going to take time for myself and take time for myself to explore new things and and really see uh, what catches my interest and, you know, what what I might be good at. And, you know, I know that this is um, I'm in a, in a sort of a privileged position to be able to do that and say that I've done that. Um, you know, it's it's not that I, I mean, I've worked extremely, extremely hard and been able to save up um, a little bit. Fortunately, that will help me through this this period. But, 
um, you know, it's very freeing um, to be able to say with my whole heart that I'm doing something for myself and being open to receiving whatever's coming next and knowing that I'm kind of turning this radio dial um, to tune in to whatever vibration and whatever frequency feels right and being open to receiving what that frequency is. Um, but to kind of answer your question, I'm sorry, I went on a tangent like I have been doing, but, um, you know, I think it's, I got a lot of support. I got a lot of support from my friends, a lot of support from my family and, and, and colleagues too. Um, and you know, all of that showed me how much, you know, I mattered to other people and how much they cared, um, which really helped as I was, you know, coming into my own and taking care of myself and, and finding my own self-worth. And it just fills me up with so much gratitude and so much love. And I wish I could put into to words kind of the feeling um, that I have, but that's kind of the only way I can describe it right now. But it is, it's in, in my heart and it's kind of just bursting out. Um, it's, it's amazing. Yeah, yeah. And a lot of times that's how you know you're on the right track. You'll get little inklings of this, but I haven't had one client that has gone through sort of the same process or even a few have changed jobs or changed positions. So it's not necessarily to say like, oh, you're awakening, you're part of Pluto and Scorpio or Pluto and Sagittarius, you need to quit your job, be an entrepreneur. There's no one way it needs to happen. But what I'm seeing is, is that um, not everyone in these generations, but a lot of people in my community like have resources. So abundance isn't the lesson. It's like the lesson is actually choosing you and modeling that for the world. So it's been so beautiful to watch and that process, like such an honor to see for you and for a few others, you know, what this looks like. And other people are being asked to be really take big risks, believing in themselves or, um, you know, doing that thing that they're afraid of. Um, so everyone's going to have their own unique path and, you know, some of you do have the privilege to be like, yeah, I'm good where I'm at. Like, I'll figure out where my healthcare is coming from. I'll figure out these couple other things, but, but you are he really here to model that to others that you can choose you over anything else. Like you're the MVP of your life. You're the main character. It's like, nothing is personal and you have to follow the path that's right for you and just kind of see where other people are at. Cause I've had that feedback from a few people that like, it's uncomfortable when you don't have the answer that they're looking for that is standard. Um, so that's really cool. So I was curious, are you maybe willing and open to do some rapid fire questions to, yes. to close this out? Sure. Awesome. So um, what is your next vacation? Next vacation. Um, I actually just uh, finished paying the, the the final balance on the deposit with my friend um, the other day, and actually we're going down to the Bahamas at the end of January, beginning of February, um, to a place outside of Freeport in the Bahamas. It's called Tiger Beach, and we're gonna go scuba diving with hammerheads and tiger sharks. So no cage or anything like that, but I guess uh, they they are all migrating to that area or a bunch of them do. And so we're going to go down there. It's been a dream of his since he was a kid. And um, yeah, I'm, I'm super looking forward to it. It's going to be super fun. Amazing. Yeah. What does awakening mean to you? Does awakening mean to me? Um, you know, 
for me, I think, you know, awakening is, it means going within and taking what's within, understanding it, aligning it with your purpose, your higher self, really working on that, understanding those traumas and finding your authentic self so that you can bring that into the external world. So it, it's going in and doing the work internally so that you can show up as your most authentic, pure self in, in the natural day-to-day -day in this present moment. Amazing. Uh, what is your favorite movie? Favorite movie? Oof, that's a tough one. Um, I think it kind of depends on my mood. I have a couple, but one of my go-tos forever that I absolutely love is I Heart Huckabees. I've told you about this before, but um, it's got like Jason Schwartzman, Dustin Hoffman, Lily Tomlin, Mark Wahlberg, um, Jude Law, a bunch of people in it, but it, it's got these coincidences and Jason Schwartzman's trying to figure out if this coincidence is actually a coincidence or does it mean something? So he hires these existential detectives. It's absolutely amazing. And it actually has a lot to do with awakening and consciousness. So um, that one I absolutely love. I also love The Game with Michael Douglas. That is one of my all-time favorites. It's the first psychological thriller when I was a kid um, that got me into psychological thrillers. Um, and then, I mean, I, I got to go Step Brothers. Absolutely love Step Brothers. Never gets old. Yeah, those three are really good. It's a good span. Yeah. All right, so... Um, what is something that people don't know about you? What is something that people don't know about me? Um, I guess I would have to say that I'm kind of a big softy, um, especially when it comes to anything like, you know, like a Disney movie or a Pixar movie or just something heartfelt. Um, I'm kind of a softy. I get the I get I get emotional when uh there's there's something happening um, in a movie, in a song, um, you know, in a play, anything uh, that is just really meant to touch it. It really touches me. Um, I've definitely cried during Pixar movies and, and things like that. And um, I don't know, I guess maybe that's not the biggest thing, but it's probably something that that people don't know about me. Not that I'm like the most macho, you know, guy out there um at all by any means but um i would say that that those types of things pull on my heartstring and i definitely react to that oh amazing what is your favorite color favorite color um growing up my favorite color was yellow not sure why well i think it's because my parents i had a yellow blanket when i was a kid um but my favorite color now is what i call dusk blue which is when the sun is setting or rising um, at dusk or dawn. And there's that, not the super dark blue that's almost black and not the really light one that's on the horizon, but there's this gradient of, of in the middle. Um, it, it's hard to pinpoint it, and I'm sure it's called something else, but I absolutely love that color. It's called dusk blue to me. Like there's it's, people that literally like have a job naming colors. Like I was exactly. growing up. <laughs> yeah. So um, if we zoomed into your life, what is an ordinary moment in your life that brings you joy? Ordinary moment in my life that brings me joy, 100% hands down, has to be um, just 
looking at my dog when she's sleeping. Um, she covers her nose with her two front paws and kind of nuzzles in. And it just fills me with so much joy and so much love. I, I can barely stand how much it fills me up with so much joy and so much love. I would say that and then coming home and, and seeing how happy she is to see me. I absolutely love that. It just fills me up completely. Uh, maybe maybe that's your next meditative practice is feeling that feeling and sending it out from your heart space to the world. Oh, I love that. I'm going to try that. Yeah. Well, let us know how it works. I will. Let's see. One thing that was life changing for you, no matter how big or small that it was. One thing that was life changing, and I think I've told you this before, but um, my biggest fear when I was a little kid was drowning. And I don't know where I heard it. Someone said it or I heard it on TV or something like that. I'm sure some kid told me or I overheard it from some kid. But um, was that drowning is really peaceful. And that always stuck with me because I just couldn't imagine drowning being peaceful. I could only imagine if you were conscious and you were underwater those final seconds before you knew that you had to take uh, take a breath and you were going to fill your lungs with water. That's extremely terrifying. So um, I carried that for a long time in my life. Um, and I was one time diving with my dad down in the Turks and Caicos. So it was something that my dad and I did. None of the other three kids were, were into scuba diving when I was growing up. So it was just a thing that my dad and I bonded over. And we were down in the Turks and Caicos and we were like 50, 60 feet down. And um, we were with the dive master in the group and we were going through this little cavern cave type thing um, and with all these tarpon and such. And as we're swimming through um, the mouthpiece, which is like a, a snorkel mouthpiece, which was um, connected to the regulator that you're breathing through, broke off. So the regulator broke off and the mouthpiece was just in my mouth and I inhaled a bunch of water. And in that moment, um, I'm sure, you know, the elapsed time was seconds, but it felt like a minute to me in that moment. And I started freaking out. I remember I grabbed my dad's fin. I He looked at me. I started making the signal for buddy breathing um, so that he would share his air with me. And, you know, then I remembered um, from the training that you have uh, a second regular, you have an octopus. So you got to reach back and, and bring it around, and put it in your mouth. You can cough through those things, throw up through them, um, you know, whatever you need to do to breathe. So, you know, I'm, I'm coughing water up through that. And the dive master comes over and the dive master is saying, um, you know, writing on this underwater pen and pad, you know, are you okay? Is everything okay? <clears throat> and I say, yeah, it's, it's okay. Give him the, the, the thumbs up and, and the okay sign. And, you know, we keep going on. Um, but you know, what's special about that to me is that, you know, growing up, that was when I was about 13, right? But growing up, um, I would have a very vivid dream probably about once every month and sometimes more, but definitely like once a month. And that dream was, you know, I was free diving. I was somewhere out in the middle of the ocean um, and I didn't know which way was up and I would just start swimming and I was running out of air. And, you know, sometimes I would run out of air and wake up, but other times my my hand would breach the surface, but my I would never get air coming up. Um, I would never get my mouth would never break the surface so that I could get air. And, you know, um, ever since that happened in the Turks and Caicos with my dad, I never had that dream again. 
it's it was so crazy to me because I I always had that dream and then I had that experience and then it never happened again. Just felt myself holding my breath while you were saying that. But <laughs> that's intense. Well, and and it's also like one of those things when stuff like that comes up in session. I think it's often like a parallel life or what people call past lives that we've had yeah. some sort of experience. So we're bringing that moment into this life to resolve it. But how on earth were you having those dreams and you ended up like taking on a hobby where literally you're like below water and need like a supportive breath life support? I've actually never thought about that, but it may have been me and that part of me that was doing things for for somebody else, right? Like I said, none of the other kids wanted to do it. So there, I was probably thinking, and let me clarify first that like I do appreciate doing that with my dad. He did not force me into it. I wanted to do it, but none of the other kids did. And I've never thought about it this way. I, I wonder if I was doing it because this was like the thing my dad and I could have. This was my our thing, right? Um, and because he wanted to do it, and it would make him happy. I was going to do it. So it comes back to the whole worthiness and, and self-worth thing. Right. But it also was a big moment of resolving it at the same time. And like, I love the metaphor there also that you had to ask your dad for, for that, like support and breath. So then you could realize that you actually had, had resources that you, you weren't accessing yet. Like that's a beautiful metaphor. Yeah. Well, I'd like to close out just asking, what is one piece of advice or resource that you think people need to know while awakening? I would say, um, I would say the resource is you and, and just know that everyone's path is different and you don't have to model your path off anyone else's. It should be sacred to you. So, you know, don't, don't, model your path on, you know, what others are doing or what you've seen others do. Um, you know, this is not to say don't don't try techniques and methods that you've learned from others. Um, but it's my personal belief that there is not just one way um, to, to go through this path. And to do that, you really need to, to check in with yourself. That's my biggest tool, um, knowing that the resource is me and and being able to come back to me um, in every present moment that I can. You know, it's like when you're meditating and your mind starts to wander and you bring yourself back to the breath, just doing that and checking in with yourself. The resource is you and creating the space and your rituals and everything that you need for you and, and what feels right for you. So um, learn from everyone else, experience and grow, but check in with yourself and make sure that what you're doing aligns with you. And I think that that will really continue to, to open up the path. Amazing. Thank you so much for sharing your awakening story with us. Yeah. Thanks for holding this space with me and for me to, to be able to. As always, it's literally what lights me up. Thank you for joining us for this week's episode. Stay tuned next week for my awakening journey. And if you would like more resources, support, or connection, feel free to join us on social media at Illuminated Psychologist or amyleiter.com.